passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. It's rewind around. I am John Pollock alongside waiting here on a Monday evening. Hello, way. Happy uh, Monday. Yeah, Easter Monday, right? Uh, it is Easter Monday, correct. Is this all is this a holiday? I think for some people, I guess. I guess some some get it. Yeah, Most. I'm I'm not really sure. I know Friday was. Everything seemed open today. Huh. Yeah. Most mm. most people I know work. Today, Easter so. Sunday. I guess Easter Sunday was was the actual holiday. Yeah, but this is uh, it extends into Easter Monday, so you know, you know how these holidays work. You know, this Not whole really, um, well, I mean, it was a really busy weekend for for Jesus. I mean, he Good Friday to Easter Monday was was a pretty significant number of days that he had over those four. So, hmm. okay. culminates in the the resurrection. Well, we are here uh, not to talk about uh biblical uh stories but instead to chat all the latest news we're also going to talk about raw tonight which was a uh, a mess with uh people missing shows travel issues and thus we had six matches over three hours and a lot of uh th- this felt like one of those covet era raws where you're trying to figure out who's not on the show and it seemed that uh, yeah. uh quite a few are and when you're watching Sami Zayn and matt riddle run into the building well i don't think that was uh probably exactly how it went like probably not too far off where they were hoping some of these talents would get there in time because mm-hmm. of course riddle's match with miz was scrapped uh, yep. it just sounded like it was a nightmare today for them to put this show together yeah seems like it um and i guess you can look at it two ways like on the one hand if you're just watching a show for entertainment it definitely negatively impacted the show but i'm very curious about the behind the scenes and inner workings of how they even managed to pull something like this together yeah, I'm sure it was a very chaotic day where there had to be a lot of flexibility among everyone involved. And I mean, the fact that they they got the show out there and we, we don't have like a confirmed list of who exactly was impacted, but you would certainly look at the the prominent names that were absent from this show and kind of assume that like no Bianca Belair, no Seth Rollins. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned the, the Miz. Um, Riddle and Zane, who they outright stated were were two of the people affected, but did get there by the show's end. So, you know, they were not just down numbers, but also some significant uh, figures as well when you're talking about some of th- those ones that we just listed. 
Right. Yeah. And maybe in the days ahead, we'll, we'll learn exactly what those names are, but, uh, I guess this can happen, you know, when you're a traveling show and uh, it really, if it's not maybe illness, it's, I mean, travel's difficult. That's why we don't travel. We not just no. stay put. We just stay. Can't, mm-hmm. can't mess up going downstairs. We might mess up trying to go up many, many stairs this coming Sunday, but downstairs, we, we got that part down. You've been training? Um, Barely. You know, WrestleMania week has really kind of screwed me up. So I'm really just kind of picking things back up over the past weekend. But uh, yeah, John and I are going to be doing a CN Tower Climb for the WWF. We've joined the WWF, the World Wildlife Fund, that's taking place this Sunday. And it's you, me, Braden, and Davey as well, as as well as some of my friends. Um, So I'm really looking forward to it, actually. Yeah, maybe maybe we're all the four of us are just going to take a pact that whatever happens on the CN Tower climb, we will never speak of it. Um, <laughs> Braden and Davey invited us to record Poison Rana right afterwards. Actually, not a chance. No, you can go do that. I'm I'm going to be done after. They'll this. probably I, be live 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 tweeting it or live Instagram storying the whole. Thing. I I don't think I've ever had a conversation with Braden where I don't end up uh, hearing about it or reading about it afterwards. I have I have to always be of the impression that whenever I'm talking to the guy. This is for public consumption. That's how I always go into every conversation with Braden. Tends to be what happens when your friends all have podcasts. Well, let's get into tonight's news. There's a lot here, so I'm I'm just moving forward. Way, we have a new IWGP champion, Sonata. They look at this man. Look at this gorgeous man that uh, has just got the – look at this. Minoru Suzuki circa 1988 here. Just brand new look, brand new tights. Brand new championship, unseating Kazuchika Okada. I wouldn't go as to say the, the best match that I've seen Okada and Sonata have. They had that super dramatic one where Sonata beat him uh, in 2019. But in terms of the, uh, the the drama of this one, and I did know the result watching it, so I'm, I was watching it with that that knowledge. Um, you know, this this was a crowd that they wanted to see Sonata prevail, and they picked their favorite in Sonata, and then he delivers and gets this win. And as we had stated in the lead up, like this, this was a feasible outcome given all of the changes to Sonata's character. If you were ever going to do it, now is the time, not just for the reasons of Sonata, but also politically, it opens up Okada for a lot of interesting matches going into Forbidden Door uh, for the Wembley Stadium show. For G1, for that matter, mm-hmm. out the title, a lot more interesting things you can do with Okada. So it remains to be seen, but um, it's Sonata winning and certainly catching some people uh, off guard, which sometimes you want to have that kind of uh, impact with a result. Yeah, yeah. I would say in terms of like season, it's a pretty low stakes season, you know, where you can um, experiment if you want to call it that, you know, Um, I wouldn't really call it even so much an experiment. I think, you know what you're getting with Sonata. He's a very capable in-ring performer. Um, And maybe because he's been in LIJ as a silent guy for so long, maybe that aura of like being a main eventer has somewhat dissipated over the the, the years. Um, so this fresh coat of paint as part of just five guys, I think is really the perfect opportunity to give him that extra shove to really be perceived now from this point on as somebody who could potentially headline a show. And let's hope this experiment goes a bit better than uh, than the evil experiment not that long ago. Yeah, we've also got uh, Taichi that's going to be going for the King of Pro Wrestling title. Uh, Kanemaru is going to challenge Hiromu for the junior heavyweight title. So could we, by the end of uh, this whole stretch, could we have uh, just just three champions and two guys, with all due respect to Doki and Taka? 
I mean, they can go for, I'm sure, I don't know, uh, the, the junior Do- heavyweight. Doki could maybe, um, you know, tags. Maybe Doki like, and Taka go for the uh, the junior heavyweight tag scraps or something like that. We could get just five champions. This is possible. Um, yeah. We'll get into awesome. all the match announcements, but just uh, how much of Sakura Genesis did you get to see? Because um, this show, I, I got up on Saturday morning and I started from the title matches and I watched those five title matches. I was blown away by this show by yeah. the end. Like I thought this was one of the better shows of the year. Um, I really enjoyed the women's three way. I think, um, you know, I've seen, I've seen criticism of the match, but I thought, uh, yes, Mercedes Monet, I, I would state like, it's still a learning curve for her to be working with um, it, it, look, the speed of an Azumi, um, not to mention a, a Hazuki as well. But I thought for a three-way match, which is not always my favorite types of matches, I thought there was so much creativity in this match and it was a nonstop pace for the 14 minutes or so um, that this one lasted. And then you uh, extend that to uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and Shota Umino that had an awesome match with the 15-minute time limit and Zack uh, pulling it out with about 23 seconds left. Aussie Open and Bishuman having the match of the show, in my opinion, uh, which are a really scary spot. We're not all that different from the Finn Balor uh, deal, but instead of a ladder, it was Kyle Fletcher doing a moonsault to the floor and bashing his head into the guardrail, and they had to tape him up and continued, and it added to the drama of the match, but this was a nasty, nasty shot that he took uh, with his head going into the metal barricade. Yeah. Yeah. I, to me. So, you know, I, I, I had a sense of a big title change taking place before I started watching the show. And even beyond that, I think for me uh, as a North American fan, you know, just a Mercedes Monet wrestling in Japan probably held my mo- most of my interest. So I, I was going into the show specifically wanting to watch both those things. As I was scrubbing through, I see Kyle Fletcher basically like wrestle with this like bandage around his head. And I'm like, well, look, how did God just, just doesn't just come into a match with like a bandage. So like what, what, what exactly happened here? I scrubbed back to the beginning of the match and holy shit, like that, that this ended up being like, I'm sure one of the, you know, pivotal moments of, of the team's career. Um, getting it's, it's never fortunate to have an injury, but if you're going to have an injury like that, um, not such a bad place to do it in a championship match where you're supposed to go over and win the tag team championships. Uh, this was a performance of a lifetime, you know, by Kyle Fletcher and, and completely use that blood at, you know, to, to all its advantage. Um, yeah, it was very dramatic. Yeah. I mean, you, and this was early in the match. He did not seem to have any ill effects in, in the match. Like, obviously you're worried about a potential head injury, um, but nonetheless, yeah, this is a, a shot of it all. I would really state that it, it might be an idea that we've had so many guardrail instances with with New Japan in particular, where you know it's bashing guy. They utilize the guardrail so much that it, you know the the WWE barricades that they have. I mean, they have uh, they upgraded those like years and years ago. And these metal barricades, like you had the incident um, with, with Jay White and Jim Ross. You've had when the guardrails are not fully secure. You've had fans knocked down from them and such. I mean, maybe this is like, to me, this is not just an isolated incident, but it, it's also one where it's, you know, you're talking about metal. You don't always have the biggest amount of room to, to be dealing with here um, to just have a better secure barricade or around these uh these floors where I think you minimize a lot of these problems. 
I, I can't profess to know enough about, you know, would like you rather have your head go into this metal uh, fence or would you rather have it like the barricades that WWE have? I, I would definitely take the WWE ones if I'm bashing my head into something. I, I suppose I, I don't know what the costs are of, you know, the WWE style barricades and if they were maybe accessible to everybody, why wouldn't every single company already have them? And not saying New Japan, you know, can't afford um, maybe an upgrade, but I, I, I considering the amount of dives, I, like, is it worth the investment? These are these aren't questions really for me. So, well, it's it's I'll, I'll decide. It's it's I'm answering yeah. the question for all the problems of these uh, barricades. But um, and then yeah, Hiromu retained against Robbie Eagles, and then Sonata winning the IWGP title. Um, but I, I thought this was honestly one of the better shows of, of the year. This one to me was, this was an excellent, excellent new Japan show. The crowd, it was a little over 6,000. So they're still trying to build up. Like this is not by the previous standards, a great number for sumo hall, but they're slowly building things back up. And th- this was an excellent show. And the crowd heat was certainly evident on, on this show. A lot of significant events and a lot of big names here. You know, I, I, I think, um, Having a Mercedes Monet on this type of show is bound to draw a lot of new eyeballs to a new Japan world. And this is also the time when you might want to execute and really build your new stars, whether it be an Aussie Open or a Sonata. So a lot of great reviews coming out of this one. Um, And let's see if it pays off for their next shows. Yeah. At the end of the night, you had uh, Sonata saying, finally, I'm in the position to tell Okada, let's do it again. So the idea of doing a rematch between those two down the road. And then Hiromu came out to confront his former LIJ stablemate, and he issued the challenge to Sonata. But first, Yoshinobu Kanemaru wants a shot at Hiromu's junior heavyweight title. So they are going to do Hiromu and Kanemaru on April 27th at the Road to Dontaku event. And then Hiromu will challenge Sonata at Wrestling Dontaku, which is, th- this is a very, um, I don't even want to say like risky move. I think they're at a point now where they they can take these uh, kinds of chances, but they're not chances that New Japan often does take. Uh, they're running Fukuoka. This is a major arena, and they're going with a brand new champion in Sonata and your junior heavyweight champion. So this is kind of like your your anniversary deal that they used to do, but that was a much smaller undertaking at Oda Ward Gymnasium. I like it a lot. You know, there's a lot of like obviously storyline history between two, four, two, um, I guess one former LIJ member and Hiromu Takahashi, who I think is a big enough star that can headline the show with enough interest. And it's a winnable match for Sonata without affecting really the value of, you know, a junior heavyweight champion. And gives you the opportunity to have Okada at the end and maybe Sonata and Okada. That's what you're looking for for Dominion potentially as as the rematch, which is their their big card in June. You think they'll have Sonata win again? Uh, against Hiromu? Yes. No, no, no. Against Okada. Oh, against Okada. Uh, yeah, I would. I would have Sonata. I would. I hate when a guy wins the title and it's it's taken off of him so quickly. Yeah. Uh, give well, him a real run. I think a better question, like, how long do you think Sonata would keep the championship? Would he keep it all the way till Wrestle Kingdom? Typically, when New Japan makes these moves, it is because they have a long-term picture um, set up. I would certainly look at Sonata as a test case. This is not someone that I think is going to necessarily be a slam dunk as your champion. I would say if if he makes it to Wrestle Kingdom, you look at this as a successful reign that he has uh, kept it that long. Is it possible? Yes. I could also see if if he does not catch fire. Like There's going to be a lot of pressure on him. There is a bit of a honeymoon period. It's a fresh face holding this championship, but it will be, you know, you have your 
your solid core. And hopefully by the end of G1, Sonata is clearly entrenched into that, that solid upper three to four guys. Pardon the, uh, the obvious pun. <laughs> Just three or four guys, yeah. Uh, I want to draw people's attention to Karen Peterson and Bruce Lord, who delivered a really wonderful review of Sakura Genesis over at postwrestlingcafe.com on our Patreon feed. So go and check that out. Karen also has a written report up at postwrestling.com right now. So if you want to learn a bit more information about her thoughts, their thoughts on the show, uh, check those out. Yeah, g- great rundown of the show from Bruce and Karen on the Post Wrestling Cafe. So let's go in order here of some of the major matches. We won't go through all of these cards that New Japan has announced, but they have got a lot of cards coming up. So Road to Dantaku, the the highlight show will be April the 27th in Hiroshima with Hiromu and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. It will also feature TJ Pier, TJP and Francesco Akira defending the junior heavyweight tag titles against Kushida and Kevin Knight, Tetsuya Naito against Doki. The singles match nobody was anticipating this year, which was set up at Sakura Genesis. And they will also announce the participants for uh, the best of the Super Juniors tournament that starts in May. Then two days later in uh, Kagoshima, it will be Shingo against Taichi for the King of Pro Wrestling Championship. And Shingo is coming off this unbelievable match with Aaron Hanare last week. I just watched this last night. This was incredible. 38 minutes of... Um, the ultimate triad match where you had to you had to finish your opponent with a pinfall, a submission, and then a 10 count. So it sounds convoluted, but these two, this was the best match of Aaron Hanare's career. So, you know, suddenly this King of Pro Wrestling title, Shingo, I think, has elevated this title quite a bit. And I have no doubt that him and Taichi will probably have a pretty terrific main event at the end of the month. And that April 29th show also featuring Aussie Open defending the tag titles for the first time against Mikey Nichols and Shane Haste. But this all leads to wrestling Dontaku on May 3rd and the top matches, as we mentioned, Sonata and Hiromu, Tama Tonga against David Finley, Minoru Suzuki, El Desperado and Ren Narita defending the six-man tag titles against Kazuchika Okada and two opponents or two partners that Okada will add that are just unknown at this point. Then we have Zack Sabre Jr. and Jeff Cobb, which if uh, Zack Sabre Jr. defends the TV title uh, will be defended against Cobb and Kenta with the strong uh, openweight title against Hikuleo. And then we have a bunch of uh, multi-man tags. So a lot of uh, a lot of cards coming up from New Japan. Uh, but the biggest, of course, are this summer with the G1 Climax that they announced the dates over the weekend at Sakura Genesis. 19 shows. And the biggest question is, wait, what do you think of, of the beach motif for this year's G1 Climax? Well, it's certainly summer. Summery. Um, they got the memo of the season mm-hmm. that they are uh, that they are attracting people towards. Hey, listen, man, after 32 of these things, it's a little bit difficult to, you know, come up with something fresh every single year. I mean, um, really, what can you do? I'm fine with this. It looks, um, you know, it looks like... Um, a, a summer Will set. there be sand on at every uh, single um, stage? Yeah, they should get like the beach blast, uh, bash at the beach set. Mm, and just have that, have that every night at uh, all these arenas. So it will start July 15th and 16th in Hokkaido. Um, some of the highlights include back-to-back nights at Corcuan Hall, back-to-back nights at Edeon Arena in Osaka. And then they have announced the semifinals and finals August 12th and 13th at Sumo Hall. So not going any bigger than Sumo Hall. Um, they are just trying they are trying so hard to get wh park back to japan to come to the finals in the (laughs) sweltering heat that is sumo hall in the middle of august 19 shows over that month way that's kind of typical isn't it you know yes 
Yes. And are, do you the, think they'll be doing the four? Well, the fact that they are they are not stating like A block, B block finals, they're saying semifinals and finals. It tells me they're probably doing the four blocks again like they did last year, which I wasn't yeah. as big a fan of as the two block system from before. Mm-hmm. But it also does uh, limit the amount of matches that these guys have to have. But I do hope it's a better balancing act. As we went through last year's tournament, there would be just based on the scheduling guy would have a match and then maybe it's 10 days before you see him again. And, and that it definitely affected the flow that you have in previous ones, but it's, it's a very tough tournament for these guys as well. So I'm not going to belabor the fact that they get uh, more days off in between some of their big matches. So there you have it way. Um, A lot of new Japan coming up as well. Finally, um, New Japan, Noah, and All Japan also will be making some kind of an announcement Wednesday morning. They all put out this uh, cryptic video that this uh, news will be coming up uh, on on Wednesday. So I guess speculation about some kind of big show involving these three companies. Imagine if they were all coming together for one streaming service that would only cost you one subscription fee a, a month. Could you imagine, Way? It sounds like a political nightmare to try Not to navigate. Chance. Yeah. Not yeah. happening, but you you but, can you could only hope consolidation well, of some of these. Uh, as I'm going through my my streaming bills, I would I would love some consolidation on that front. Don't think that's happening. But but, but most likely Tokyo Dome show, I think you know has, has maybe been somewhat tradition in the past. Possible, yes, yeah, something in the summer, um, maybe before G1, you you get something big in there. There's a, a lot of big stuff coming up when you can, especially with, with New Japan from. You, you do best of the super juniors when your heavyweights are kind of idle that you could do something during that month. But then you have forbidden door at the end of uh, June, you get right into G1. And then at the end of August, I would think you expect a new Japan presence on this Wembley stadium show. Sure. I'm also curious if like there, if this furthers any sort of working relationship and we see talent exchanges for things like the G1 and the N1, you know, like do, do they, that would certainly, I think help everybody. That would be great news. I, I think it's very possible you could get like one or two outsiders into the G1 this mm-hmm. year. Like you would think maybe one person from AEW, one from Noah, one from an all Japan. Like that would be great. You don't need yeah. a surge of people, just like one or two. And I think it really spices up some of the, the blocks. Uh, oh, and there was also this, this tournament that they are doing to determine who will face Kenny Omega for the United States championship. So this weekend, uh, New Japan Strong is in Philadelphia and Washington. Sunday show in Philadelphia will feature Lance Archer against Juice Robinson. And then on May 21st, Will Ospreay takes on Hiroshi Tanahashi. So that is the first match that Ospreay has scheduled back since his shoulder injury. And then the two winners will face at Dominion on June the 4th. And the winner of that will challenge Kenny Omega, date to be determined, but would seem to lead to Forbidden Door. And whether you are going big with Omega and Osprey for Forbidden Door, uh, whether you do a rematch with Omega and Tanahashi, as for the other two, I I don't see Lance Archer or Juice Robinson coming out of this unless it were to build up like a television match, which this seems a lot of time to build up a television match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, both of these are on on the left side of the bracket, at least AEW guys. So you wonder how much um, promotion there might be for this particular mini tournament on AEW TV. Um, 
I think everybody is hoping for Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega at Forbidden Door. And um, I I just I don't know if, if there are any other favorites. Tanahashi is always a nice replacement, but maybe that's why he's only here, you know, in case Will Ospreay can't make it and we have to get to Tanahashi. What, what is the latest uh, injury health update with, with uh, Will Ospreay? I mean, Ospreay has just stated like he's been making progress, but this is the most significant announcement is May 21st. He feels that he will be good to go here for a match with Tanahashi, which... To be quite honest, for Osprey and Tanahashi, um, this will be in Long Beach, California. It'll be a pretty easy crowd. And to come back, like it's, I don't want to say it's easy to do a match with Tanahashi, but it is one that you, these two, Osprey does not have to go all out for a match with Tanahashi mm-hmm. for them to tear the house down, doing a lot of simple stuff. And Tanahashi has mastered the, the, Super simple Tanahashi match for most effectiveness. And he can dial it up to what he needs to, but they can have a fantastic match without Osprey having to do um, what will be required for a Kenny Omega match. Right. Though something tells me you'll probably still see like a Will Ospreay match. Well, we, we, we will see. We will see what, what comes back with this, uh, this shoulder uh, injury and what he takes away from it. Logan Paul has signed a new deal with WWE. So he had gone into WrestleMania stating that was the last match on his deal. And in going back to look at the announcement from last June, the language was he had signed a multi-event deal with WWE. So I think that's where some of the confusion was. But this this was identified by WWE as a multi-year deal for Hmm. Logan Paul. So he just turned 28 years old and, you know, it... I guess the only question way is if this continues the schedule of a Logan Paul and would you restrict him to big shows? Do do you see them turning it up and more of a presence of Logan Paul month to month? Or do you, do you like what they're doing with him now? I guess depends on how much they can get him. I'm sure he's the type of person that they would love to have out every single raw if they, they really wanted to, but I mean, he's how much is he willing to offer of his own time, you know, with his other projects on the go? Um, so uh, I, I'm, I, I would say that they would take as much of Logan Paul as they could. Yeah, got the uh, got the prime energy drink into his photo op with Paul Levesque. Yeah, do you find out about uh, what? What do you think about this, John? Um, this very very blatant Photoshop. What do you think of it? He's um, denying that this is a, a Photoshop. He oh, states please. it's a new photo. Yes, of course. They just perfectly match their posing. oh man i think it's a it's a pretty great photoshop i mean whoever you know managed to cut stephanie out like that replaced the background that's cold change the colors i mean come on she's not she's no she's not there i guess not no yeah well (laughs) that is pretty great seeing them side by side there yeah tremendous did you see that logan paul was at uh, ufc 287 over the weekend i did not no a lot of people were at UFC 27. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It was the uh, it was the GOP National Party at, at Cage Side. You had Donald Trump, Donald Jr., Kid Rock. Um, the the week this guy is like arraigned in in court, and uh, and here he is at at, at the UFC event. But man, pick pick the state, and quite honestly, pick the sport that is most likely to wrap their arms around uh, a Donald Trump. So yes, mm-hmm. he was there at UFC. SmackDown on Friday night did 2,468,000 viewers, 0.69 in the demo, each up 4% from the week prior. Uh, This being the post-WrestleMania edition. And yes, 
big announcements draw away. Paul Levesque, he had words to state into a microphone coming days off of Tony Khan, having words to deliver into a microphone. And this was SmackDown's highest viewership since January and their highest 18 to 49 number since that um, that famous Christmas Day episode of SmackDown after the NFL in 2020. So if you throw that out, this was their highest 18 to 49 number since March of 2020 that they did. Um, huge 18 to 34 uh, number for WWE as well. They did over 254,000 viewers in Canada. So uh, people were very much interested in what Paul Levesque had to say, Sami Zayn against Jay Uso and the fallout from WrestleMania that I guess you can look at number one show on television Friday. It's impressive. Yeah. I will say what was also impressive was this two hour block that AEW did immediately following SmackDown. So uh, breaking them up, the first hour, which was rampage did 503,000 viewers and a 0.17 in the demo sixth for the night among cable originals. This was up. 48% in viewers from last week, and it was up 76% in the demo from the week prior. It was their biggest audience for Rampage since January 13th. And for the key demo, um, it wasn't as high as the show that aired at midnight that had the huge NCAA lead in. But if you throw out that week, it was their highest since uh, December, December 23rd. So that was, and that was with Anna Jay and Julia Hart in the main event. Um, it, like you can look at this lineup. It to me was it was a rampage lineup, but I would state that I mean, what is your theory, Way? Because Battle of the Belts by its standards also did really well. Like what was the what was the the magic formula that led to this on Friday night? I have no clue, dude. I, I really don't. I mean, maybe it's Julia Hart or maybe it's Anna Jay. You know, Anna Jay's taking credit for it because I, um, she she tweeted something about the last time Rampage did uh, some record highs. She was also the main event. Maybe it's that. I, I, I really don't know. I really love to see that um, tested a third time and seeing see if those ratings uh, correlate. Um, I personally don't know if I heard much coming off of this particular show about, about the buzz. I heard it with the wrestling was good, but was there anything that like leading into the show, I suppose is most important. Was there really anything that was that much buzzed about heading into it? I didn't really hear it, but I, 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 I can't tell you, John, I can't. Well, battle of the belts did 415,000 viewers. So retaining a pretty good amount of the rampage audience and a 0.14 in the demo. So they were 12th for the night among cable originals. It beat the last two, battle of the belt so the ones in october and january it was ahead of uh just behind the one from last august what was really interesting in brandon thurston's breakdown was that in the 18 to 34 audience zero drop off from rampage like every wow. other demo like there was like a natural like decline from the hour previous but 18 to 34 identical identical from one to the other so man that audience they were there on a Friday night to watch their two hours of, of professional wrestling. They wanted to see QT Marshall and powerhouse Hobbs going for these ROH tag titles in the main event. Um, but yeah, it was, it was great wrestling for, for two hours, I, I would say, and a lively crowd. It was not a huge crowd by AEW standards, but they were pretty lively for things. And honestly, this is one week. You don't want to put too much into this, but the idea of them, like you're hearing all the rumors about a Saturday night show. It's uh, does it make more sense to do two hours on Friday? If you can hold an audience like this for two hours. Um, How often I don't think has this happened do... though? Well, that's the thing. You can't go off of ju this just this one week, but I was very surprised that this performed well because there was very little buzz for 
either of these shows going in. But yeah, something obviously clicked and they did better than I expected them to do. And our last uh, bit of news here, just looking at what is coming up this week. NXT Tuesday night has a four-way to set up Carmelo Hayes' next challenger. Dragon Lee and JD McDonough announced for that one. Elba Fire and Isla Dawn defend the women's tag titles against Fallon Henley and Kiana James. And Ilya Dragunov against Von Wagner. This is what it's all come down to. If Von Wagner loses, Robert Stone will drop him as a client. Mm. Stakes. Man. Well, then what, what's Robert Stone going to do? Uh, he's going to have to find a new client. I don't know who he's, who he's going to find. He's gone through quite a few on NXT. Mm. Wednesday's Dynamite has Chris Jericho against Keith Lee, Swerve Strickland against Darby Allen. John Moxley and Claudio are going to murder Brandon Cutler and Michael Nakazawa, and Orange Cassidy takes on Buddy Matthews for the international title. And uh, Dax Harwood has confirmed that FTR has resigned with AEW, while Tom Hannafan has resigned with Impact Wrestling. A great resigning by Impact Wrestling. Tom Hannafan, mm-hmm. very, very good. Uh, play-by-play announcer so there you go you're all caught up on the news thank you for that john very informative i would think that we have answered everyone's questions but if there are more questions what is the best place for people to submit them for tuesday night we have our latest edition of ask away which is our monthly patron mailbag coming out tomorrow in the post wrestling cafe and also video.postwrestling.com the best place to submit a question is if you are post wrestling cafe patreon patron go to forum.postwrestling.com but otherwise we suggest anybody who might be listening to this we actually have a lot of questions already john i I almost don't even want to publicize this but uh last call okay very very last call if you want to leave a voicemail question we will try to make time for all of those memo.fm slash post wrestling we are taking now voicemail questions for ask away again our monthly mailbag available at postwrestlingcafe.com and video.postwrestling.com sometime tomorrow yeah, if there's too many questions, uh, I'm going to have company uh, down here for Ask Away. So be warned. All right. Um, just for, for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe, of course, $6 a month gives you access to our entire archive, multiple bonus shows per week. In addition to Ask Away that drops Tuesday, we will be back Friday night with Rewind to SmackDown. And due to the NBA schedule, there is a chance that Rampage will be delayed on Friday night. And, it will, and it, the following week, it's being moved to Saturday night. So at least for the next two weeks, we're going live at 10 Eastern. I know people want to hear us go through Rampage, but for the next two weeks, we're going live at 10 Eastern for Post Wrestling Cafe members. I'm not apologizing. I thought Friday was, uh, it was, it was wonderful. Yeah, it's like four weeks. We have, we have some, we, I mean, it's, it's not entirely our fault, honestly. Like there's just been one thing after another that's delayed the show or it's, it's super card or something else. Um, it's going to be like a whole month of us, not not watching the show but hey we'll um maybe we'll we'll come back in two weeks three weeks access on the post wrestling cafe and also for cafe members next week on uh, monday early monday john Cino and i will have a review of impact rebellion Cino's going to watch the pay-per-view i will be attending it i might be in a wheelchair but i will be attending it on sunday night at the rebel complex in toronto have mm-hmm. you last question have you seen the trailer for the new trey miguel edition of diary that i have not no oh man they used underworld for it what really oh dude they they got their hands on music for for this trailer 
George Barbosa. He's running stuff over there. Oh my goodness. Very, it looks really good. Nice. It looks really good. I'm sure that's a very good one. So. All those diaries have been excellent. So shout out George and the great work his team are doing over there. And we move on to our great work that we're about to drop here. Reviewing raw from the climate pledge arena in Seattle, Washington, a venue that AEW ran not too long ago. Uh, but again, as we mentioned, bunch of travel issues affecting the show, which Corey Graves did note off the top that they were uh, hit by. So um, if you were paying close attention, I would say the major names that stood out to me were uh, Rollins, Belair, The Miz, uh, no Johnny Gargano, uh, if, if, and for that matter, Candice LeRae, Austin Theory, Omos, MVP, Street Profits. So not confirmed that they all had travel issues, but they at least were not on the show tonight. So I would imagine at least several of those probably affected, which is that's, that's a sizable list right there. As you listed off that they either um, were not used on the show or they did not have access to use them on the show. So a lot of people here, they had to put a lot of time in. I think Cody Rhodes had like a 20 minute promo. We had Ray and Dominic out there, which between the promo and the match that took up a good chunk of the first hour. Can you imagine this took place last week with the commercial free first hour? I wonder how that would have affected things. Well, that, that, that's why you want run raw in the host city that you've been in all weekend and you avoid any travel woes. But yeah, mm-hmm. now, now we're on the road there. <laughs> it was funny because when they did WrestleMania in Seattle and that terrible, they did a terrible number of buys, especially at that period. And so they never went back to uh Safeco field. And at one time the story was, Oh, it was Seattle. And they had like this issue with Seattle. So I don't think Seattle endeared them this time either. Maybe the key is to drive to Seattle. Yeah. So we start off with um, Rey Mysterio coming out in his LWO shirt. And he's going over his, his crazy year that he's had. But then Dominic interrupts. And Dominic, listen, I, I have talked about this guy. I think he's been a great character. He had a rough night on the mic here. He comes out. Keep your name out of my out of your mouth. Not off to a great start. Well, listen, it's, it's his dad. Come on. He's flustered here. This man never gets flustered. That's part of the charm. Ray, you just make things about yourself. You never cared about me. I'm with my real family. And he blames Bud, Bad Bunny for losing the match at WrestleMania. And they replay the angle from last week. And he hopes that Bad Bunny learned his lesson and, quote, sticks his nose out of the Judgment Day's business. Ray, um, Ray says he <laughs> hopes that he sticks his nose out of the Judgment Day's business. Which, well, if your nose I mean, is technically already could be accurate, you just if your nose is stuck in already. Then you would want to stick your nose stick it out. out of it. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, be like removing your nose from Judgment Day's business. You're not sticking your nose out. Okay, mm. maybe I'm being nitpicky here. So Ray has been on the phone with Bad Bunny, and he's coming back. And they will regret putting their hands on the musician. So Dominic says empty words from a deadbeat father and tells Ray to man up and that he's a lost cause. And Ray issues a challenge to Dominic. I've got to say, after all of this, I will never fight my son. Dude, Ray can't wait to drop hands with this guy weekly. Again, once the seal is broken, I mean, listen, you are you're already a man who beats his son. You know, you, you can't be a, a man who... um I don't know. Really beats his son, I guess. I don't. Once you have that label, it's it's on you forever. So Ray has nothing to lose at this point. Dominic won't fight his own father, but he knows who will. Finn Balor. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" 
I don't care how many travel woes there are. You're making this guy wrestle after the, this yeah. last month that this guy's had gra- grade two calf tear, 14 yeah. staples in his head, and he's got to come out here and work 14 minutes with Ray Mysterio. Hey man, this we have dude a, we, is the have, MVP of the company. We have a very thin roster tonight, and uh, oh. if that means that the guy with 14 staples in his head has to go, then I guess so. I mean, he must have been cleared, um, and and I, I must have quite the recovery uh, and rehab regimen to be able to pull something like this off. You'd wrestle for how long here? Well, like this 20 was, minutes. This was, four, this was 14 minutes. Yeah. Crazy. I know. Yeah. Thin roster. They were also promoting throughout the night tickets going on sale for SummerSlam. Uh, the pre-sale is Wednesday, and then the general on sale is Friday. So that that's a very interesting one at Ford Field of um, what the, the response is going to be like. I imagine that's going to be a pretty uh, hot ticket. It Like WWE, it's it's like the post-mania, just looking at some of these events coming up, like they are selling a lot of tickets to shows. That Toronto SmackDown is not till August. And dude, they've sold like 9,000 tickets already for that. And that's pretty common in a lot of these places. So I imagine it's going to be a very, very heavy demand uh, for, for SummerSlam this year. And there we, there we have the, the featured uh, performers. What do you think of the new logo? Um, It's obviously catering very much to the Motor City. Um it's in the lion's colors I'm, I'm i believe right that's right yeah so tying it in much like they're doing next next year with wrestlemania in philadelphia so mm-hmm. um wouldn't buy anything with this logo on it but no. um can't say i speak for everyone though what do you, you can expect most of these names to be on that show i would say uh and for people that are just listening bel-air cody Rhea, brock charlotte roman ray but they change these out like all the time so This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Ray Mysterio and Finn Balor. We had a great moment here where Balor is stomping down Ray and Dominic yells, Atta boy, Finn. Atta boy. Have you ever said Atta boy? Um, I haven't. No. No. Okay. Well, it comes with age, I guess. After the break, Ray comes back. He's constantly going for the 619. He gets interrupted. Balor hits a clothesline, shotgun drop kick, but then Ray start, stops the coup de grace and hits a top rope hurricane rana. Onto Balor, finally hits the 619, and as he goes for the frog splash, lands on Balor's knees, and Dominic has a chain. And Ray stops him, decks Dominic, hits a dive onto both Balor and Dominic, and the crowd's pretty hot here. And then Balor distracts the referee, so Dominic gets the chain and he bashes Ray, and this leads to Ray being pulled into the center for the coup de grace in 13 minutes and 47 seconds as Finn Balor 
gets the victory. And um, I mean, looked uh, looked great uh, for the the time that he had here. You would not think that this man was being uh, held together by staples and God knows what uh, tape over the last month. Yeah, not at all. Um, so I mean, again, they, they don't they won't let him out there unless he was medically cleared, and so. Um, he's got to be pretty tough because I can't imagine even walking around with those injuries. But, um, you know, wrestled the match here and did all his travel. So good for him. Good for Finn Balor. Um, not so good for Ray. This is like two weeks in a row he's lost on Raw thanks to his son. So, And another one that we failed to point out, no Damien Priest on this show either. Mm-hmm. Um, and would have if, if you're going towards the tag, it kind of would have made more sense for Damien Priest to be in this role and pinning Ray. Yeah. Yeah, sure. If it was a tag and Ray would have teamed with who? Ray and Bad But I'm saying if you're building to the backlash tag. Oh, match, yes. You yes. could have done Damian Priest against Ray here instead of right. Balor. So I guess like Balor can't necessarily afford a loss too. He just lost as the demon. I, I I mean it's it's interesting matchmaking, the fact that they, they even went here. But you know, Ray at this point is at, at a point where he can lose as many times as he wants and it doesn't necessarily affect him. I do think there might be a limit though, you know, because they're treating this match like it's the main event of this backlash show. And I think it should it be the main be. event of backlash. Yeah, I think so too. Like um, you have this and Cody against Brock Lesnar. And that's, that looks to be your one, two. And based on how tonight goes, probably the six man with the Usos and solo against yeah. Owen Zane and riddle. And that's, that's kind of like your, your big matches that, that you need. Like you don't need a too much more depth. Uh, like Roman's not expected to be on the show. Yeah. So that's but this, this is a rare case where like having a celebrity attached to a hot feud like this one, feels as big as a championship match you know from a mainstream level so i i like the fact that backlash they can come back without a championship match it lets that sort of a whole division kind of basically breathe a little bit and shows that you don't need necessarily need a championship for a main event earlier today uh, otis and gable are being interviewed by kathy kelly and maxine interrupts insulting gable but then they hear a scream and everyone runs and finds lita attacked in the back and Raquel and Liv Morgan are standing over her, explaining they heard Lita and came to check on her. Trish and Becky show up, and this is our explanation to have Lita removed from the tag title match earlier. So Saxton interviews Becky Lynch, who states that Lita has been taken to a local medical facility. Yeah. And two weeks in a row. That's right. That's right. Of uh local medical facilities. And we should have stated off the top, no Vince McMahon at tonight's show. So that is, that is worth noting. Becky has her suspicions on who attacked Lita. And when she finds out for sure, she will slap their head off and promised, uh, promised a title match tonight. So her new partner will be Trish Stratus, who will be a surrogate tag team champion for tonight. Yeah, that's allowed. Freebird rule. You hang out long enough with somebody, they're allowed to tag in. Hold they one have of the done belts. this over the last yeah. year. So you can, uh, they go to Becky and Trish against Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan for the women's tag titles. So this match, first of all, uh, I assume that Raquel is dealing with some kind of back injury because she had the, uh, the cut marks all over her back. So it looks like mm-hmm. she is uh, working through something. Uh, at the it, moment. It's not necessarily indicative of something serious, you know, like, like some people might just get it just for relaxation um but because of the cosmetic nature of like that sort of procedure you would think that maybe maybe they they need it a lot but i, yeah. I obviously it's not preventing her from wrestling 
I always assume when Yuji Nagata was getting it like three quarters of the way into the G1, he wasn't doing it for relaxation purposes. <laughs> we got to get you in. I would do it. I would absolutely do it. Yeah. Way once, way once got this done and he sent me the photos of his back and it, <laughs> it looks so gross, but I would absolutely try it. Um, it seems fun. Have you ever done it since or just the one time? No, no, not really. I, I didn't do a whole lot for me, to be honest. No, but my bro- no. My, I just, bro- my brother's obsessed. My brother will do it for you. Okay. I just want to do it for the gram. That's it. That's that's all. I just sure. want some clout. Okay. So this match, the story, if the story of the match um, was as Graves described it, like Becky and Trish, they're teaming for the first time or like first time in a, a two-on-two setting, uh, excluding the, the WrestleMania six-woman tag, that they had some communication issues. Well, then they told a brilliant story because they yeah. seem to be on different pages. And like, I, I thought like there were multiple ma- spots in this where it just seemed like deers and headlights uh, during this match. Like, I just thought it was, um, yeah, very, very glaring. So Trish gets a tag at one point and she does the head scissors off the corner and goes for the cover, not remembering that she had just tagged Becky, who is the legal woman. So she awkwardly gets up, pulls in, um, I, be- I believe it's uh, Raquel here. And then Becky just follows with, with the leg drop. Raquel and Becky are then in and they attempt a double team superplex, which is stopped. And Raquel goes for a power bomb that Trish turns into a, a hurricane Rana off of the top. And Raquel then launches everyone with the tower of doom. The funny part about this is the one who took it the worst was Liv, who was at the top, who took the superplex portion from her partner <laughs> throwing them. So Becky and Raquel then go into the corner and this, this was, I had to rewind this three times to try and understand what they were trying to do. And Corey Graves trying to interpret what they were trying to do. So Corey is explaining that Becky is going for diamond dust onto Raquel, but then Trish gets in the way of their spot and they just cite communication issues that they're having. And then Trish has to get out of the way. And then, I guess the idea was Becky delivering diamond dust, but the way it was done, it was all Raquel throwing Becky drops her onto Liv. So it looks like Raquel is just killing her, her partner here. And then, so Raquel takes a powder to the floor. This is just a mess. And Becky has this look on her face. Like what is going on here? It, she just looks so defeated in this match. Raquel stops the disarmer. There's a stratisfaction to Raquel and then the double knees by Liv and Becky turns the oblivion into the manhandle slam. Raquel yanks Becky off and then Trish misses the chick kick, allowing Liv to roll her up for the pin in 15 minutes and 26 seconds. Before we get to the angle, bad match. Yeah, it was not great. Um, And I thought Trish, I thought like Trish and, and Becky um, at WrestleMania looked pretty decent, you know, in the match that they had. But this one, there were certainly um, miscommunication issues. And maybe that's why what happened afterwards happened. You know, you you made me have Shoot a really turn. bad match. Yeah, well, you made me have a really bad match. So I'm, I'm not happy about that. I'm going to do something. Well, but this was not great. The turn, you've got Becky and Trish kind of like, you know, consoling one another. And then Becky turns and... Trish goes for a chick kick, which di- didn't hit this one too too well either, but then followed up with the, uh, att- sorry, it's Trish attacks her with like this weak shot from behind and then follows up with a chick kick that lands. The chick and kick looks fine. It was the shot. It was the, the first shot. shot didn't look yeah, great. That, yeah, that was the one that was off. The chick kick looked fine. The silver lining here, 
Nine times out of 10 with WWE audiences, when you do a turn, they cheer and it's one more time. They got booze for Trish, which I would not have said would be a guarantee that the audience, like audiences love to see turns and they did not get that here. So that was, (laughs) I'm trying to uh, give the silver lining here, but yeah, this was, I I just thought this match was really bad. And the turn after, at least you did, this was the most notable thing I would say on the show, this in the Cody segment, you did get a turn with Trish. Um, but yeah, hopefully they they move on from this. This was not the uh, the best setup uh, for all of this. Not a great tag team match. Um, I still have hope though for the program with these two. I mean, a professional wrestling angle is not just necessarily the in ring. They have to stick the landing for the in ring, and I and and you know you would think that this might be end up at a pay per view where they would have a bit more time to prepare for the match itself. Um, but I'm interested to see what. Trish Stratus can offer as a heel now it's been such a long time and when she did it she was fantastic at it now with all the years of just I guess I don't know uh wisdom and potentially maybe like we see guys come back and even though their bodies like I'm sure it's a lot more difficult for to keep up their ability to act is oftentimes better you know and and their uh, their promo ability is oftentimes better Trish as a baby face thus far, we really haven't seen anything from her. She's pretty much just kind of been like a silent third, you know, personality without Pro- probably by design. I'm sure yeah. that's going to come out like that. It was like over overtly trying to make her the third wheel in this whole lead up. I think she's going to be excellent in the, in this hero role. I think it's a good program for Becky Lynch and uh, p- possible for, for backlash that you would think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, right now in the women's division, there aren't exactly a whole lot of people, you know, that that you can maybe um, consider as a viable headlining opponent for a Becky Lynch. So maybe you have to go. Maybe it's Saudi. You know, it could be. I thought of that, too. The idea like it's the big women's match for Saudi Arabia. Uh, as yeah. Well. And, and so what what of Lita? Well, Lita's got to be back here in, in some form or fashion, although they got the tag titles off her in a unique way here. Mm-hmm. I'm not. um I'm not disappointed that they don't need to be using Lita in the ring for this this angle, Same. nor do you have any reason to have to do it. I mean, everyone could see kind of where her limitations were in that in that six man tag, six woman tag. But I think just for the story, you need to have Lita's presence. Uh, mm-hmm. It would be pretty awkward. Not, and and you have this mystery of who attacked her as well. That I mean, whether it turns out to be Trish it's, or it's, of course it's Trish like could, could it be anybody else well how did Lita not see that then how did Raquel and Liv not see she could be attacked from behind I guess so and then what this she, is why we she need, left uh, and found Becky and uh it, Becky didn't notice that Trish was gone for 10 minutes so let's then... let's think about Trish's motivation okay she so let's say she attacked Lita and then she just d- deduced that okay Becky's gonna pick got into the match partner. and I'm gonna botch all my all the spots <laughs> and we're gonna lose the tag titles <laughs> Um, clearly she wanted to win the tag titles. Now, if she won the tag titles, would she have just given them back to Lita or would she have campaigned to be the rightful champion herself? What was the thinking there? I think that would have been a cool twist is that if Trish does like the lion's share of the work in this match, gets the pin, and then next week she has to give the title back to Lita and you can see like the the simmering jealousy of of Trish. But I'm sure sure they have this pretty mapped out in terms of when Trish came back of where where they're going. So maybe it's not Trish who did the attack. Maybe it was somebody else who did the attack that Trish will end up partnering with. It could be. Yeah. It could be someone else. We'll see. Kathy Kelly is with Paul Heyman, who has asked... do you have any insight about Brock Lesnar attacking Cody Rhodes? He says, do I have any insight? Yes, I do. But then he moves on to Sokoa and Owens. And he mentions. He Riddle gave and like a very 
you know, like Nick Khan type of answer here. You know, talked about started talking a lot of words and then just basically changed course and gave. Don't you a answer, answer the question you were asked. Answer the yeah. question you wish you were asked. Mm-hmm. So his question is that he wants to ask is about Sokoa and Owens tonight. Mentioning Zane and Riddle are not here, so Owens is all by himself. He's not as bright as the others, and Owens has one leg after the attack on SmackDown, and they will solve the Kevin Owens problem. The problem solving continues. Saxton goes to ask Trish why she attacked uh, Becky Lynch and she just brushes past him and leaves. Dakota Kai and Eo Sky are outside of Adam Pierce's office. Bailey is back and comes out of Adam Pierce's office stating that she told Adam Pierce that damage control wants to stay together with the draft and that Bailey got a triple threat match with herself against Meechin and Piper Niven, where the winner will be in line for a women's title shot. So Dakota and EO ask, what about us? So Bailey goes back into Adam Pierce's office and essentially gets EO Sky the spot instead of her. So we are <laughs> starting to really ramp up the uh dissension between Bailey and the other two. And Bailey realizing that um these two aren't necessarily just here to be her support. Um, I'm sure, you know, individually promises were made that she's never really lived up to. So I'm, I like that finally we are getting some characterization for Dakota and EO here, even though it was pretty minimal. Um, but at least, you know, this month looks to be focused on EO. Yeah. And it, it certainly brings up the question if you like Bailey in this role, the idea of some call ups that she, she gets. I, I would be fine with EO moving on at this point. Mm. I don't know what the long term would be for Dakota Kai without this, this group to be uh, attached to. But we will see Bobby Lashley and Bronson Reed. We were back to Bobby Lashley's old entrance where he's on the riser as he uh, comes out. So that's back. The Andre trophy is ringside. So we still have that of all the travel woes. They got this trophy to Seattle. Well, trophy gets on the truck. I, I imagine not a plane. No, so. this thing gets at least a coach seat. I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, they strap so? it yep. Hmm. So uh, they had like a pretty fun big man match here. It was, uh, Bronson Reed taking a ton of this match. He is dominating when Lashley fires back and he's trying for a vertical suplex, finally hits it for a big pop and he goes for the hurt lock, but can't lock the fingers. So Reed just falls back onto Lashley. He just like nesty plunges to break out of it. Reed then climbs, but Lashley uh, is up. Reed gouges the eye and then hits an avalanche off the top, stops a spear with a knee to Lashley. And then Lashley catches him, slams him and gets the hurt lock. But Reed tumbles with Lashley to the floor. They continue to brawl. Lashley is posted. And then they are counted out in 10 minutes and 31 seconds. The officials run down. Corey Graves is calling for the police. And then there's a huge roar as Bobby Lashley breaks free going after Bronson Reed. So I, I enjoyed this for the uh, the 10 minutes or so that they had. And I guess we'll continue this. Uh, sad, though, on a show where we're getting father versus son, we're also getting uncle versus nephew. What? Remember last week, Bronson said, you're my uncle. And one day I will teach. Remember they were stating uh, when Lashley challenged him, he said, in in due time. Well, I guess when you have a, a card to rearrange, due time became a week. And, and and this was one of those matches where I wondered if, if how, how quickly it might have come together because I'd... I, the, the the match itself was fun, you know, uh, just, you know, big men slapping meat, of course. Uh, but the finish, I thought, was just so incredibly lame. And- yeah, obviously, they did not want to do a finish. And they they are pretty 
Like they'll do plenty of run-ins and such leading to finishes, but in terms of outright DQs and countouts, like that is something you can definitely see in the Paul Levesque era. They have uh, toned down mm-hmm. on a lot. Yeah, and they were hoping the action was enough to maybe satisfy an audience and to to build to something later on. Um, it it just never is a great feeling when you have to rely on something like that for a show. But there were extenuating circumstances here. Cody Rhodes comes out. He is still holding the ribs. Very strong reaction for Cody, and he talks about. All the things he has been talking about since he came back, Seth Rollins, his torn peck, the rumble, WrestleMania, and finishing the story. Well, under the bright lights, I lost in the main event of WrestleMania. And I've heard a lot of people complain and place blame. All the blame should be put on me. I didn't calculate the lengths that Roman would go to. I lost, and I'm sorry. And he mentions his friend Matt telling him that headlining WrestleMania is already a win. And asks, asked Cody, do wins and losses even matter? Cody says, absolutely they matter. We're prize fighters. The only ones who state that wins and losses don't matter are Hall of Famers who have already written their stories. The only question, mm-hmm. Way, is which which friend Matt was this? This was Jackson. Think about this. Cardona. Yeah. Hmm. Hardy? Probably not Hardy, I'm guessing. Hmm. Matt. Those would be anyone we're omitting. There are a lot of mats out there in the world. Uh, maybe it was um, Matt Hughes. Is he friends? Probably not. Hmm. Well, um, yeah. He says, one of the other things that bothered him was Paul Heyman stating Cody needs to earn a rematch. And he goes on this big speech about his career going from dashing to stardust from the undercard to EVP to being a derelict wolf that followed the pack and returning to lead the pack. Earn it. I am it. And he was embarrassed at WrestleMania laying in front of a stadium full of people next to a rubber chicken. Yeah. Which is true. Actually. Yes. Somebody threw a rubber chicken in and oh, yeah. this was spread on the internet. Big meme last week. So he then brings up Brock Lesnar. Tell me why. Why did he attack me like that? And he heard on SmackDown that Brock Lesnar was unhappy with his spot at WrestleMania. His theory is that Brock is uncertain about Cody and all of the hype and the change that could directly affect Brock that Cody represents. He waited until my back was turned. And then Cody goes over all the different uh, of Brock winning the, the NCAA championship in, in 2000. Uh, Then he goes to say winning the UFC and you figured he just forgot which weight class he was in maybe. And he just moved on. He's like winning the undisputed title. And then said (laughs) when he looked at John Cena, he saw a victim, Randy Couture, a victim, the undertaker, a victim. What do you see when you look at me? And Cody admits, I am scared of Brock Lesnar, but I still want to fight him. And for the first time, when Brock looks in the mirror, he won't see a predator. He will see prey. You will see a victim, Brock, my victim. And we can fight any place, any time. And Brock isn't here in Seattle, which instantly the whole crowd boos. So he challenges him to WrestleMania backlash as their uh, marketing department probably had a heart attack here and tells him, answer the call. Mm-hmm. And there we go. For all, uh, to our knowledge, it is not WrestleMania backlash, but hey, he was on a roll here. 
to him he wants this to feel like his wrestlemania he wants a do-over okay um start yeah. the story <laughs> start the story i i appreciate the fact that he at least addressed the loss in a more substantial way um the pivot to the brock program i mean it was it was good like cody cuts good promos and and um in in the wwe that's especially the case i i don't think this was at all like um, I don't have really anything to criticize this for. You know, I, I can criticize. Promo. I can criticize the program. I really wish this was for a championship. I feel like I'd I'd, I'd find so much more importance if this was a, a, a guy defending a championship. Um, instead, it feels like you know he's he's fighting for a runner-up. Um, I guess you know consolation prize uh, of some some value. But um, Cody does good jobs. You know, like he 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 does uh, a good job of making you care. Uh, was it enough here for Brock Lesnar without knowing Brock's reasoning for attacking? Um, I don't know if it's gotten that personal yet. Uh, I don't know if he's had that much substance because um, he's basically just having to say, I challenge you to a match, even though I don't know why you specifically attacked me. I guess he's assuming what, because Brock wasn't happy about his spot. Cody, Cody's rebuttal should be, I helped launch a company giving you leverage that isn't the UFC. You should be thanking me. You think an AEW would spend Brock Lesnar money to get Brock? Maybe, right? You you can't say Tony no. Khan has said he's interested in Goldberg at least. I I don't think Tony Khan is going to say he's not interested in anyone. I would. Right. Um, there was a time that I, I think a Lesnar would have been uh, something. I, I don't know if now is that time. Hmm. But I mean, when you're booking ninety thousand seat stadiums, um, you're 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 going to look at stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, they go over Logan Paul signing his new deal. And then the Usos versus Chad Gable and Otis, which turned into a hell of a match. So they build up to Otis receiving uh, the hot tag and he's hitting uh, world's strongest slams to both Usos. Then he tears his shirt off and hits the caterpillar and then hoist up uh, Jimmy as Gable and Otis hit the Steinerizer, which desperately needs a new name. Uh, the Usos then land dives onto Otis. There's a double super kick onto the desk. Gable with the Orihara moonsault onto both Usos and then a diving headbutt. Dude, Chad Gable was on fire here. Great reaction for this near fall off the headbutt. The chaos theory gets blocked. And then Jimmy rolls out of the ankle lock. Doesn't see the tag to Jay as the chaos theory gets stopped. Double super kick, 1D, and Jay pins Gable in 13 minutes and 6 seconds. But, um, man, Gable was the real star of this. But um, the Usos were... Um, you know, this was a really fun match by the final couple of minutes. I thought they made Otis really strong too. You know, they like they were basically positioning the match where both Usos needed to pair up in order to take down Otis, and it was a uh, another unique bit of matchmaking that I wondered if if this was always the plan because um, the Usos are coming off of the longest tag team title reign, I believe, in history, and Alpha Academy are currently involved in a storyline with the maximum male models so i don't know if like on paper you would have expected these two teams to you know be so 50 50 and for the usos in particular to sell so much for an otis or a chad gable but you got that sort of match and you had the announcers basically kind of tell a story of like hey like are the usos um you know losing their confidence after losing the championships can they regain the confidence against their confidence against this team and it all worked out really well. And and by the end of it, you had a great match that I think 
really helped Alpha Academy and I think helped the Usos rather than just a big squash victory that they could have had. Um, it felt like a significant battle that really changed their momentum. Eosky, Meechin, and Piper Niven. Corey Graves basically says that since Meechin has come back, hasn't hasn't gotten uh, to any of her goals yet. I was being very polite here. Meechin hit a dive onto Niven and then Sky followed with an Asai moonsault. After the break, uh, we saw a code red by Meechin and uh, Graves goes to state uh, an ode to, I was like, oh my God, are we going to get an amazing red reference? An ode to Pop Rocks by Roxanne <laughs> Perez. <laughs> It's not the first time we've seen that move here, and I, I don't know why you 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 wouldn't just mention Amazing Red. Yeah, I, I don't know if Michael Cole's uh, vocabulary is uh, or his wrestling knowledge is going to be uh, flexed quite think, as often. You think Wikipedia might be banned on his iPad now? Oh, I, I think so. Oh, I think no. so. Oh. Just imagine that that first time. Yeah. Guess who's back? None of that Reseda stuff like would have made it, eh? No, no, I don't think, uh, you know, Asuka's origin story. I, I don't know how much of that would be uh, working itself in there. El Generico, shout out. Uh, eat the feed is hit onto Niven, and then Sky hits over the moonsault onto both women, uh, pins Meechin in 817. Uh, Dakota Kai is celebrating with EO. Bailey looking much more subdued here, watching uh, her opportunity uh, go up in smoke as EO Sky. Did they outright state that the winner of this gets a title shot or would be considered? For yeah, a shot? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's the World Women's Championship number one contenders match. So, so EO. Bianca and EO Sky. That's mm-hmm. I like it a lot. You know, EO, television. EO has really been fantastic. I think like a step above, you know, the people that she's been working with, including Becky Lynch. Um, and so at the very least, I think you want to add show the audience that she is capable of performing in this sort of position. Bianca Belair doesn't exactly have the biggest roster of, you know, opponents to choose from right now, but what you can guarantee with an Io Shirai or sorry, Io Sky and a Bianca, Bianca Belair is that the match is probably going to be pretty damn great. So on a pay-per-view, I think that's as valuable as, you know, really anything. I just hope that they can use this time to really build some character and build some story with her. And clearly they're doing that with what's going on with her and Bailey. Bailey throughout the match was just kind of like playing, friend who's happy but not really happy so i hope to see that story um driven up saxton interviews kevin owens who explains he is not a wise man but he has street smarts he leads with his emotions and his heart tells him to beat up solo sokoa tonight he doesn't have zane or riddle his knee is not 100 percent, and he can't hide that from them and then gets saxton to read his shirt next week on the show in north little rock arkansas brock lesnar will show up to answer cody's challenge and the main event, it is Solo Sokoa with the Usos in his corner against Kevin Owens. And Sokoa goes after the knee for a long period of time. Owens fights back, goes for the cannonball. His leg gives out. Then he hits the frog splash, but injures his knee on the landing. The stunner gets stopped and is met with a Samoan drop. Owens then gets tossed off the top. Jay distracts, and Jimmy uh, gets fought off by Owens on the edge, then snaps Solo's throat on the top rope, super kicking Jay. So it is Owens fighting all three at once. Owens goes for the swanton, but Solo kicks out. Uh, The pop-up is hit, but Solo staggers up to his feet, goes for the stunner as Jimmy once again distracts the referee. Jay nails Owens from the floor and a super kick and Samoan spike combo by Solo win the match for him in 13 minutes and 33 seconds. Mm -hmm. But the headline, Corey Graves states Solo Sokoa has solved the Kevin Owens problem. It was declared. The problem is solved. It's this official. Was the, this was the emphatic win. Hmm. This was okay. 
so what? Just one victory, I guess, is enough. I mean, he beat Zane on Friday. He beat Owens tonight. We're done, problem, right? Problem solved. Yeah, don't need the championships. Really, just need a pinfall. That's it. No, no, he's, they're not problems anymore. Yeah. Um, oh, whatever. I don't know. I don't. I, I think the story is going to continue, John. Um, really strong underdog fight from Owens here. I thought good selling of the knee throughout, and it, it made Owens look pretty strong fighting off three guys in the bloodline here, and uh, of course setting up this big return by the end. The Usos continue to stomp Owens when Zayn and Riddle sprint into the arena, and they even it up as they come out. There's an exploder to Jay. Jimmy prevents the haluva kick to Jay, so then Owens stuns Jimmy. Zayn hits the, uh, goes again for the haluva kick, and Solo saves Jay by pulling him out of the ring, and we have the standoff as the show ends, likely leading to a six-man tag, you would think, at Backlash between mm. these six and that was the show, one that I think was, uh, pardon the pun, riddled with uh, absences on the show. Um, I can't say this was a raw of extreme consequence. I think you could boil it down to uh, a, a turn by Trish, Cody setting up the match with Brock, and the rest, it was sort of just patching a show together to get three hours in. Some good wrestling on the show, so that was a positive. But I can't say this was a uh, a stellar raw just in terms of uh, – knowing how many people were apparently absent and just seemed to be a show that you were trying to fill time at different parts. Yeah. I I, I would say it's a raw that I, I can't help but grade on a curve, like considering who they were down by. I, I think the show probably turned out better than I, I could have expected, but yeah, if you're watching it without maybe knowing a lot of those details, it's a show that felt like it was missing a full roster like you you it didn't feel like it, that strong in terms of maybe um star power but um you had essentials this is also maybe contrasted with like wrestlemania season we're just coming off of like you know a season where pretty much all hands were on deck everybody shows up the the raw right after the raw after wrestlemania you're basically getting a half roster here so this one really did stand out but i think considering they did a pretty good job Get ready for the brand split again. Get used to this. I mean, that means you'll get stars coming from the other side, though. Yeah, but, but you're, you're saying half like, a roster. You're yeah. gonna have half a roster for these shows. The hope is that you at least have like bigger stars, you know, being there constantly. But yeah, it's not always going to be the case. There you have it, Raw in Seattle, Washington. Uh, yeah, I think you have to certainly take into account a lot of the problems uh, that they had for this show. Um, but in terms of backlash, I mean, you you can pretty much see the picture coming together. But a lot of that show, I think, just rests on all the attention that Bad Bunny is going to get. And when you set up that match, like you would, you know, it's they've got uh, almost a month. So you, you certainly have your time to set that one up. He's got to come back and make an attack. Do you think Bad Bunny showing up in Arkansas next week? Um, this I don't is how we so. look like what, what city could you imagine bad bunny showing up in? Let's let's, uh, with all due respect to North little rock, Arkansas, uh, we look at uh, Chicago in two weeks. That could be where Possible. you set things up. And then they're in Fort worth, Texas before they go uh, to San Juan, Puerto Rico. Yeah. Chicago. I would think you want your, uh, all your big matches in, in set up by, by Chicago that night. Sure. Okay. Let's go. We have, a. Do you want to read our piece of feedback way? Yeah, we got one piece of feedback here, and this comes to us from Muggin. Thank you, Muggin, for 
Leaving your thoughts, Muggin says, Last week's mess got cleaned up significantly here between Cody versus Brock starting in earnest. Trish's, Trish Stratus's heel turn, the bloodline's continued issues with Owens and Zane, and damage control's growing dissension, to name a few. Things are a lot more stable because of it, and I liked how the logistical turmoil was worked in organically, with Riddle and Zane showing up by the end to save KO. Raw bounced back effectively and may it continue. So Megan thought this was a real bounce back from last week. It was certainly a better show than last week. So maybe we can say that, you know, despite not having a full roster, this was a better Raw than last week's was. Do you know that last week's Raw was voted on Cage Match as one of the worst shows ever in wrestling yeah. history? I saw the list. I believe it was like um, <laughs> what company it was in. I think Heroes of Wrestling was um, ranked lower than it. And one edition of NXT from like the game show days was ranked um under the very worst but i mean i I think some people need to go and rewatch heroes of wrestling before they grade raw anywhere in the 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 sphere at least get a whole lot of value like i we've reviewed like heroes of wrestling something like three four times okay i never never in my life am i watching that show ever again i promise you i'm never watching that thing again in my life you're right but you'll at least get something if you did out of it more so than you probably would have last week's raw I think a lot of that was just like people protesting, like all the backstage news too, right? Well, it was a lot more uh, subdued on SmackDown and tonight. No Vince on Friday, no Vince uh, tonight. So that is uh, Vince watch will still be a a thing moving. And no news about when the draft is taking place. You're right. It was, they did recap the announcement by Paul Lebeck, but still no announcement of when they, they do the draft. Probably not until after backlash, you would think, right? Or, or maybe, is that a few short weeks? What what constitutes a few short weeks? This is always interesting, okay? Because, like, when does the draft take place and what's the pay-per-view that um, might totally screw up as a result of these drafts? Like, they have to be smart about this because in the past they did their drafts and then they have to go to a pay-per-view the next, like, the end of the week. And, and you knew everybody was going to be switching brands anyway. So how well, they have they about four that? weeks between Backlash and Saudi Arabia. Is it right. four weeks? Uh, and yeah. then after that, they have... All of June, there's no there's no premium live event because July 1st is when they do Money in the Bank in England. Mm. Yeah, well, maybe that's a good. I mean, one. you could do it any time in 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 May, I guess. Yeah. You could do you could do. Or sorry, I should say even if they do, yeah, anytime in May, just do it whenever. Okay, whatever. Do it next week. Just announce it like on Twitter. Announce Monday it an afternoon. hour before draft tonight. Yeah. Draft. Sure. We are going to get out of here. Again, we are back on Tuesday night with Ask Away, the mailbag show. Taking your questions, forum.postwrestling.com. That will be out for all Post Wrestling Cafe members. Dynamite on Wednesday. Thursday, Brandon Thurston and I are interviewing Brandon Ross of Light Shed Partners, a familiar voice on the WWE earnings calls. So uh, a man that always has some great questions on these earnings calls. So he will be joining us to talk about the WWE UFC merger and uh, many other questions coming out of last week's news. I think at post wrestling, this might officially unofficially officially be Brandon week. It is Brandon week, (laughs) Brandon week. It is on brand (laughs) because not only do we have Brandon Thurston on, okay. WrestleNomics on Sunday, Brandon Pollock and Thurston on Thursday, Brandon Ross also on Pollock and Thurston this week, this Saturday 
on a very special edition of Postmarks. We will be featuring an interview that Dave and Bruce did with the one, the only, Brandon from New Jersey. Okay, for those of you who don't know, Postmarks is a show done by Bruce Lord and David Myers that usually appears for free on our Post Wrestling Cafe feed where they speak to members of the post wrestling audience. They have been doing this, I think, for a, a little over a year now, and these interviews are always really fantastic. So um, I'm really looking forward to this one in particular because they managed to somehow grab Brandon from New Jersey to sit down and to talk. So that will be available not just on the Post Wrestling Cafe feed, but we'll be putting that right there on uh, on the free feed as well for all of you guys to check out. So um, Postmark's coming up this Saturday, Brandon Week here at Post Wrestling. If I'm allowed to wear headphones, this is that's going to be my soundtrack on the CN Tower. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to sound like this. <laughs> goodbye. Oh, jeez. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 